This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, I'm Andrew Apanov and this is We Spin Recipes. Once again, my colleague Josh Urban takes over the podcast. Here you will hear his interview with Kiran Gandhi and Yvette Nimako, conducted at this year's Future of Music Policy Summit in DC. It's a rather short episode, but filled with inspiration. As an interesting side note, in the month of December, starting with this episode, all guests of my show are exclusively women in the music industry. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud to not miss the upcoming interviews, I promise they are worth it. If you're not familiar with the name yet, Kieran is a drummer, feminist, public speaker, Harvard MBA, Georgetown graduate, she worked at Interscope Records and taught the whole world as a drummer for MIA. To learn more about Kieran, check out her website, the link as always is in the show notes, and watch her TEDx Brooklyn speech called Atomic Living, I personally highly recommend it. In this conversation, she was joined by Yvette, a manager of US operations for the Global She Alliance, and the two ladies talked about the future of the music industry, creativity, women and business, and much more. Here we go. Hey, hello, this is Josh Urban for Dotted Music, and I'm reporting on the future of music, and I'm live from DC with a couple of amazing ladies. On my left, we have... Yvette Badu-Namako. And on my right... Kieran Gandhi. And I'm here to talk with them a little bit about the music business and the world and maintaining principles in complicated times. Kieran, you mentioned earlier that there's great hope in the music industry being broken. So for musicians, the little little guys, the little girls coming up, meaning you know, independent people coming up, if they do something, they'll be noticed. I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on that. Absolutely. Well, I believe that innovation doesn't exist in a vacuum, that we as humans are constantly inspired by each other, that we see what each other is doing and we build on it. And I think back in the day when the industry was working perfectly and that it was a flawlessly run business, you know, you knew you had to make a CD with about 15 songs, you market one song and you sell the CD for $19. It was an excellent, excellent revenue generating model. But now that the industry does not depend on recorded music as recorded music has no value, artists have to think more critically and more innovatively about how they will make money and how they will support themselves as an artist. And not only make money, but use all the various different tools that they have to their disposal cleverly. How can I build my social media? How can I give them something that artists get really excited about? I mean, excuse me, fans get really excited about. When I was speaking on the conference today, the Future of Music conference, the reason why I said that I like that we are in a broken music industry is that voices that were not traditionally heard actually have relevance, not by any sort of affirmative, affirmative action agenda, but by the very need of the industry to listen to new ideas. People like young people, people who are artists, people who are of color, people who are women. These voices were never heard, but now more than ever, their ideas are needed. That's great, and it's very hopeful. So thank you very much. Yvette, so you are not in the music industry, but I've, I am not. I've roped her into this interview because I think she has something interesting to say. So can you explain a bit about what you do and sort of how it's almost like a record label? Sure. So I am the manager of U.S. operations for the Global Shea Alliance. And what the Global Shea Alliance does, it promotes a sustainable shea butter industry so that the women who are at the beginning of the supply chain for shea butter are also protected while the brands like Body Shop, L'Occitane, Shea Moisture also benefit from showing their customer base that, listen, we care about 
these women. We care about sustainability. We care about fair trade. Mm-hmm. Well, that's neat. So I really think that to me, that seems like, you know, the women in Africa collecting um, are sort of like the musicians in the, you know, in the bands. And then we have the, the big consumers and that you're sort of the label in between. Well, that brings me to my next question. There's a lot of talk about data and profits and monetizing things. And that's all well and good. We concentrate on that all the time. But what do you both think about the importance of principles and why we do what we do in the first place in your respective fields? You know, one of the best things that social media has done to us, I believe, is make us more discerning about each other's intentions. And I think for everyone who is posting, they are posting as well as consuming at the same time. So the best practices are being created in real time. And when we see somebody else post something that is disingenuine or with the intention of someone trying to impress other people, it doesn't resonate as much as when you use social media to try to inspire other people. I think principles in the music industry are about having a genuine purpose about the music you create, about wanting to inspire others, about wanting to take something that you have made and share it with others as a gift. And those who are trying to get famous, those who are trying to look beautiful, those who are trying to impress others as opposed to inspire or sort of humbly offer something, I think that can be quickly detected and doesn't take off as quickly as maybe it might have when purity could have been uh, shielded. Interesting. So we're almost living in more an honest age because people can see what it is. So principles are not necessarily a luxury, but a necessity is what you're saying. I think so. It's a self-check system. It's a self-checking system. Isn't that fascinating? Do you have anything to add to that? I agree with that. I think just like audience members care about how artists act and how, you know, what image they're portraying, the same thing for consumers. They care so much about what companies perform and how they their corporate social responsibility mm-hmm. practices and how that sort of influences their buying decisions. It's extremely important for them. That does certainly make sense. Well, that's right. an interesting way. I hadn't thought about that. This is why I love doing these interviews, man. I, I get to learn. I don't even get like VIP access. You know, everybody listening to the podcast, you know, you should be here. It's awesome. So, mm-hmm. so we, now a specific, so a data question, completely unrelated to that. Thank you both for sharing that. So you were mentioning also in your talk about so switching gears here a second about finding out who the super fan is with data and why that excites you. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that a little bit more. Absolutely. The super fan is the person who has listened to your music so many times, not because they want to give you a charity or because they feel bad for you, because your music has genuinely moved them and your music has enabled them to run faster, to be in love more, to feel better when they're depressed, to study harder. You've given them a gift. And so that music has true value. And once you're able to identify your super fan and do this using data from Spotify, you can see where the actual listener is located. And if the user has chosen, you can actually be able to direct message them and contact them because you can see that they've listened and streamed your song the most. Once you've contacted them, you can celebrate them, but you can also give them a call to action. You can say something as simple as, hey, make sure you follow me on this other channel that I didn't see you haven't followed yet or make sure that you come to this show, or hey, do you want to wear this like special t-shirt? I've only made 100 of them. They cost 50 bucks each, but they're special. Do you want to buy one? And so that's an extra $500 in your pocket, but you're also making the fan really happy. It's not like you're pushing something they don't want to buy. 
right? So, and this new era that we're in allows us to do that, in other words. It so, does, yeah. because you can target the superfan in a way that was not possible. When the fan has bought a vinyl record or a CD, the action is complete. They go home and they play it in, their, in the machine. But when they stream a song on Spotify, it's all on the internet. So we know exactly who they are, where they are, and it could actually be a direct line of communication if both parties chose. And that is amazing because when you have targeted your super fan and on top of that, you give them love back, ooh, it's like medicine. They're going to go to right. their friends and they're going to say, oh my God, Tune Yard sent me a t-shirt. Oh my God, the FKA Twigs put me up on her Instagram. Oh my God, this person's awesome. So in that regard, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Spotify. I think the general feeling is whether we musicians accept that it's here or not. Well, it's here, and the, but we're getting paid a lot less for it. So what you're saying is it's almost a Spotify stream could almost be more valuable than a vinyl sale? Absolutely, yeah. because the value of the Spotify stream is not the 0.001 cent. The value of the Spotify stream is the access to the user who's listening to it. That's the value. But there's music everywhere. <laughs> so, so do you see any parallels in that in the nonprofit and the business world? I mean, I know it's a, a that, weird question. Yes. In the sense that when you're marketing and promoting these brands who do promote sustainable practices and who do advocate for fair trade, a lot of exposure can't be quantified, right? It doesn't directly go into, well, if I touch this person, that increases sales by you know, 5% necessarily, but it does create an ongoing relationship between people who care and are passionate about this and companies that do really want to show the world that this is the practices that we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're successful, but we still have time and space to promote sustainability practices. Well, that's yeah. awesome. This, well, hey, well, this is, I have two more questions for you both, but that's all right. This is great. So one question is, why do you do what you do. I always like to ask people this. I like what I do because every time I play music, I feel elevated. I feel relieved. I feel self-actualized. And the more I spend my days studying those feelings that I get when playing music, I feel like I'm doing work that enables others to move forward. I feel also like very holistic I like that my day is in the music industry and my evening is in actually playing music. When I used to be at Georgetown, I thought I wanted to be in politics. And then at night I'd go and play drums. I didn't like that the two seemed um, like lifting to play music till three in the morning and then have to go to work at eight in the morning. It's not functional. And so I switched to working in the industry so that I was going to same, the same shows that everybody else was going to. And it's sort of written into the rules that you can come into the office at 10, 15, maybe the next day instead, because you all were at the same show the night before. Makes sense. And that is why uh, I love to do what I do. Awesome. Thank you so much. Can I you? add one more thing? Yeah, back? sure. As many things as you want. Thank you. The other thing that I'd like to add is that when I was growing up, everything that I learned about myself as a woman in the world and a girl came from pop culture. Ah. It came from images in the music industry, for better or for worse. I lucked out because one of the most profound things I saw was the Spice Girls. And the five of them were friends, they were sisters, they were promoting girl power, they were traveling the world, they were singing, they were having a blast. But a lot of girls grow up watching really awesome rap videos in the sense that the music is awesome, hip hop is awesome, but the roles for women in those videos are not so awesome. Right. They are Great. about being sexually objectified. They are about creating male fantasy. There's nothing wrong with male fantasy, except when it's not complemented by 
an opposing force where girls feel that they have access to many looks. I can be enjoying my own sexuality in one moment, but I can also be running an office at the next moment. I can also be a boss. I can be my own artist. I am in charge of my own sexuality. Having those diverse looks is so profound and so missing in the industry. And so what excites me is to take something cool and edgy as music and pop culture and infuse it with values that I believe women deserve to have access to, and especially girls where their ideals about how they fit into the world are being formed. So this is really my life mission. No one on the podcast can see that I'm wearing a shirt that says the future is female. But I really want a selfie with that. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta get you a shirt. The future is female is a metaphor. The future is of color. The future is finding your authentic self. The future is feeling you have a voice. You know, it's a metaphor for feeling like you don't have to always apologize. Women are always quietly apologizing for their words. And I want to end that using music. Bravo, bravo. (laughs) Did you see the famous quotes from history if women had to say them in meetings? It's like, Dave, you know, if I could just uh, think, you know, I think, you know, liberty would really be good. I could be wrong on this, but I'd prefer liberty. Exactly. It's um, it's padded with a lot of apologies. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. So, and you, how do you do what you do? I do what I do because I like the idea of using my policy background, my background that I've gained on Capitol Hill and just sort of using it to give back to someone who could very well be me as an African woman, as someone whose family came from Ghana and actually came from sort of similar circumstances. And to actually use that and use a skill that I've developed to sort of give back and actually contribute to the world instead of just going for, you know, personal advantage has really been the most fulfilling thing I've done, period. Awesome. Awesome. Well, final question. Do you think, can the world be saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Hey, for Dotted Music from DC, this is Josh Urban. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Kiran, Yvette, Josh for the conversation once again. All the links where you can find out more are in the show notes at wispin.co forward slash WSR53. Speaking of Wispin, we've got a new course being rolled out currently, in case you missed it, by Ilpo Resound. It's called Smart Productivity for Musicians. We release a new chapter every Wednesday and you can get full access to everything that has been released so far, all the knowledge base of Wispin by joining Wispin at wispin.co. There is a free 10 day trial, so you don't risk anything, just check it out. If you have any questions or feedback to this show, hit me up, andrew at wispin.co. Thank you for listening and till next week. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 12.